This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We are continuing in a series we entitled a word from the wise, not a word to the wise. And the reason we titled it a word from the wise is Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Solomon known as the wisest man who ever lived. He sought wisdom. He had wisdom. He experienced a lot of things. Richest man on the planet. None of us could probably say either one of those things. So there's a lot we can learn from someone who has experienced so much in their life. So last week we talked about how he could be a little bit of a life coach for us because of all that he's experienced. And if you'll remember, he talked about how everything on earth was meaningless. He said, meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. Everything is meaningless or vanity, whatever word you want to use, depending on what scriptures you read from, uh, what, what Bible text. But all he's talking about is it's, there was a phrase he used every single time he was talking about things being meaningless, 29 times in the entire book, that he says, under the sun, which we began to translate as apart from God. Anything we're seeking apart from God does turn out to be empty or meaningless or vapor. And so we're picking up in chapter 3. If you didn't uh, get to be here last week and you need to go back and read those two chapters, get ready. It's a great pick-me-up when you're down. Some of you laugh because uh, I'm choking. It's pretty depressing and pretty sad how he talks about life as just being meaningless. But uh, as we pick up in chapter 3, I want you to understand, if you'll take a moment to look at what's over the sun, the one who brings life and salvation, hope and healing, you're going to find the happiness you've been looking for in all of those meaningless things under the sun. That's really what we learned last week. And so we're picking up in verse, or excuse me, chapter 3, let's begin reading in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way to verse 14. It says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, time to keep and a time to throw away. If you helped me move last October, you know that I should be thinking more about what I should throw away. Some of us need to put that in sign above our basement door, our garage door, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to, let's keep going, tear down, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak. Some of us get that backwards, let's be honest. Uh, a time to love and a time to hate, time for war, time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. I love that line right there. Don't let that slip by. After all these contrasting times of sometimes the good times, sometimes the bad times, he says, what did he say? I know 
that it, there's uh, nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Uh, no, that's possible today. It is possible to be happy and do good while you live. Verse 13, that each of them may eat and drink, find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. So last week, again, we were understanding that everything's kind of meaningless apart from God or under the sun. But here in chapter 3, what we're finding, especially in those last two scriptures, is he's referencing a life lived in relationship with God. That, that you're going through life with him. That's why he says in verse 13, that we may eat, drink, find satisfaction in all their toil. That's a gift from God. Remember last week we talked about how Solomon and Paul were totally different people? Solomon tried everything and couldn't find happiness anywhere. It was all meaningless. But Paul said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. No matter what. That's a gift from God that you can actually live your life being content in all circumstances. It is possible. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. So he's not just teaching that everything happens at an opportune time according to the choice of one action or the other. Do our choices make a difference in our life? Yes, absolutely. But he's teaching us that all events are in the hand of God who makes everything happen in its, the appropriate time that he deems fit. Solomon illustrates this with these 14 opposites, verses 2 through 8, time to give, time to throw away, time to, you know, heal, all these different things, making all these contrasting times. But then in verse 11, he says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. So if you have a bulletin with you, I want to get to my first point, and it's on the back of the bulletin. You can follow there or online if you want to do that if you're watching today. It's at thebridgemaryville.com. The first point I want to make today Every season has meaning, purpose, and value. Did I say that every season was good? No. But every season has meaning, purpose, and value. I tell you what, I got a free coffee mug to any husband in here who can tell me when fall begins. We have coffee mugs waiting out there. We love to give them to our guests. I'm going to give it to any husband who can tell me today, when does fall begin? Help me out. I'm sorry, that's not correct. He got it. Free coffee mug to Jim Blackford. Let's give him a hand. Fall begins when your wife says it's fall. Let's just be honest. It doesn't matter the date. Yes, fall begins September 22nd. Try telling that to my wife. August 25th, she was planting moms. She was pulling out pumpkins. She was getting gourds. All these things because fall was here. I'm like, it's 95 degrees out today. The high is 88. This is not fall weather, but it's fall at our house. It looks like buffalo plaid threw up at my house right now. I'm not kidding. It's crazy. She wears a shirt that says, October is my favorite color. What does that even mean? I don't know. It's not fall yet. I got permission to say all this. <laughs> you can't force the season. You can't just say, I don't want to be in this season, so I'm just going to assume it's the next season. You're in that season, and that season has meaning, purpose, and value. 
And I don't know if your wife is like mine, but she gets to decide when fall begins. And so Courtney, you know, she just is already in the fall season, even though it's still summer. I feel like this scripture was written for you. There's a time for everything, season for every activity under the sun. Some seasons are fun. Nice, cool weather. Hunting season begins. I like fall too. Hunt for October. Baseball playoffs are coming. College football is here. Regular NFL football. I mean, fall is my favorite time of year, but I can't rush it. It's not going to begin July 21st. It is a season that comes, and contrary to the current sports, you don't always win the trophy. So sometimes you're going to go through bad times. Sometimes you're going to have good times. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you go on the mountains. Sometimes you go through the valleys. Every season has meaning, purpose, and value. You ever tried to plan an event on the 4th of July? A wedding outside? Anything like that? If the season decides it's going to rain, it's going to rain. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to accept that. There's nothing worse than being in a season and not knowing what to do. Do I hold on or do I let go? Maybe you're in one of those seasons where you've had a dream and you've, you've lived for that dream and you've just been a, just striving for that dream over and over, but it hasn't happened yet. And you're at that point where you're like, do I give up on the dream? Was it not meant to be? Or do I keep striving after that? When do you know when to let go? Maybe you're in a relationship and you think this could be the one. How do I know? How long before I know? We've been in a relationship a long time and nothing's happening. What do I do? Those are seasons. Solomon is telling us each of these seasons have meaning, purpose, and value. It's not sunny all the time. Think about it. That would be unhealthy if it was because we wouldn't have rainy days. Rainy days are good for the seasons. They're good for the crops. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. What that really means is God can take bad things and in the proper season turn them around and make them good in the way that he intends. Doesn't mean that everything we go through is good. That's why Romans 8.28 says this. We know that in all things he works together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That did not say that all things in life are good. It said God can make all things work together for good. It didn't say all things work together for good for everyone. It said to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So what do we do in those seasons? What do we do in those times when it's hot and we just want it to be fall? We just want to move to the next season. What do we do in those moments rather than ignoring it, rather than saying, I'm just not going to accept this season. How about saying, what can I learn in this season? What are you trying to teach me through this time? I want to make something good of this season. There are things that can only be learned through experience. It's not something that can be taught. It's something that has to be experienced in order to learn. So rather than saying, God, why are you taking me through this? Say, God, what can I learn in this season? How can I grow? Let me give you a little poem to put this in perspective. Our ends are joined by a common link. With one we sit, with one we think. Success depends with which you use. Heads you win, tails you lose. 
If you're just going to sit back on your can and not do anything about it and just wait for the next season, probably not going to learn anything. It's all up to you, and it's how you respond. It's the school of experience. One thing we know about the school of experience, you might miss the first time, but you've got a chance to learn because you're going to get a second chance in order to do it correctly or to learn something and grow from that and be better the next time. It's all in how you look at it. Each season has meaning, purpose, and value, which brings me to point number two. I hate to tell you some of this, some of, the, some of these are going to kind of go, oh man, I didn't even realize this. Seasons of life are beyond our control. We don't want to hear that. Seasons of life are beyond our control. Can I tell you something though? How you respond is completely in your control. How you respond to that season is completely in your control. You can control how you accept the idea that you can't control it. Think about that. How ridiculous would it be if I walked in today wearing a coat, scarf, hat, and gloves? I'm not accepting summer anymore. I'm just going to decide it's wintertime. No, you would laugh at me. You would think I was crazy. We're in the season of summer. And whatever season you're in, you're there. You can bring meaning, purpose, and value to that season if you will learn and grow from that. It's beyond your control. Grief is a season of life. It's just something that happens. We will experience that emotion when our children leave our house and go on to be adults. We'll experience that when we experience the loss of a loved one. It's hard. Grief sometimes happens because you have to move. And when you move, it's hard to disconnect from the people that you were with. There's lots of reasons we go through a season of grief. Waiting is a season. Remember just a few weeks ago, we did a sermon, Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you're just going to have to wait. You ever gone to a fast food restaurant drive through There's seasons where you're going to have to wait. Let me ask you a question, pop quiz here. You pull up to the drive through there's two lanes. One has two cars and one has five. Which one are you going to pick? The one with two. You don't look at it and go, man, I love waiting in line. I think I'll go behind the five and just wait as long as I possibly can for my food. No. But you have no control over what those two cars in front of you are doing when they order half the menu and you're sitting there waiting and six cars roll through the other side while you're sitting there watching this happen. What can you do? You're stuck. Waiting is a season. I use a silly example, but how many times in life do we have to wait? Maybe it's on an answer from God. Maybe we're waiting for him to help us through this season, just waiting to get through. What can I do to learn while I'm in this season? Some married couples you need to know today, it's a season. It's a season. Single people, for you, it might just be a season. We don't like to accept it, but it's there. Seasons of life are beyond our control. Here's the thing. Don't make permanent decisions, permanent life-altering decisions based on a season. Don't make permanent life-altering decisions just based on a season. There's a new season coming. It's just around the corner. Brings me to point number three. I don't want to leave point number two until I say this. Seasons of life are beyond our control. How you handle that season is totally in your control. Point number three. We don't understand the seasons. Good news is, God does. We don't understand it, but the good news is, God does. I don't understand 
Think about this. I experienced this twice. When you have a child, and for that first couple of years, does it not seem like everything's just coming out the back end? I mean, you're changing diaper after diaper after diaper. You know what I'm talking about. But then there's another season just a few later where everything's just going in. It's like you can't have enough in the cupboard. It just, every time you look, it's like I got to go to the store again. They just keep in. You're laughing because you know. It's a season. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the heart, in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Wouldn't it be nice if God would give us an explanation in those seasons? But he doesn't, and he doesn't have to because he's God. But he has it under control. He understands. He knows right where you're at. Solomon didn't And you won't be able to find the meaning and purpose of life in the cycles and seasons of time. It'll never add up. It'll never make sense. But God set eternity in our hearts. Now, I want you to think about that statement just a moment. God set eternity in the human heart. How long is eternity? Thank you. Eternity is forever. How long are we going to spend with God? Forever. Time won't even matter. Time does not exist in eternity. What is time when you just have forever? You're not waiting till the end. You're not looking for something coming up. No, it's forever. Now, on this earth, under the sun, we do have to focus on time because we only have so much time on this earth. There's a time for everything while under the sun, but at one point, We're going to live in eternity and time will not even matter. It's one of the reasons we struggle on the earth is because we're so consumed by time. We're always focused on time. What time do I need to be there? Do I need to be early? Can I be late? I don't want to be too early because then I'm wasting my time. But if I'm late, I might miss something. So what time should I be there? How long is it going to last? How long does it take me to get there so that I can leave at just the right time so that I get there? Time. We're always consumed with time. He said eternity in our hearts, so we should live with eternity in mind. We talked about it last week. Focus on the things above the sun, eternal things. Live your life with eternity in mind. Don't let time consume you. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15 says this. Paul wrote this. He said, see then that you walk, listen to this word, circumspectly. This is what I said. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15. That looks completely different, but I'm going to say this anyway. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as wise, excuse me, whoops, not as fools, but as wise. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time you have for the days are evil. I apologize. I have the King James Version. That's probably the NIV. King James Version says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does it mean by the days are evil? The days are short. They go by very fast. And so he's telling us to redeem the time. Redeem is is a word that comes from the investment and security world. It means to invest your time wisely. I had to read a book in college called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Anybody else have to read that book? You know what I'm talking about. He says that time management is a misleading concept. You cannot manage time. You can't delay it, speed it up, save it, or lose it. No matter what you do, time keeps moving forward at the same rate. As I'm talking right now, you're losing time. So depending on how long I talk, 
will depend on how much time you have after this to do whatever it is you want to do. I might just take advantage of that. It's only 9.40. I've got lots of time. You know I don't. <laughs> no matter what you do, time keeps moving. The challenge is not to manage time, but to manage ourselves. That's really what it comes down to. Don't be so, hear me when I say this, don't be so focused on time that you miss the season. Don't be so focused on time that you miss the season. We get so wrapped up, what time do I need to have them at practice? What time do I need to have them at the game? And we, we're getting kids everywhere they need to be, and before long, the season is over, and we've missed it. We forgot to enjoy it because we were too busy focused on time. How much time am I going to have for myself? How much time do I got to spend there? And before long, we missed the season. Enjoy the season that your children are in. High schoolers, I think every adult in here would say, enjoy your time. It's very easy to get wrapped up in high school of everything that's going on. We talked about it. If you could talk to yourself back then and say, hey, the things that you worried about, they're not really that important. Don't get so wrapped up in that that you miss the season. College students, same thing. Enjoy the time. When we mismanage our time, when we mismanage ourselves, because Stephen Covey says you can't manage time. When we mismanage ourselves, we, we pay for that in three areas. I don't have this in your notes, but if you want to write this down. When you mismanage yourselves, you pay for that in three areas. The first one is relationally. When you're behind all the time, when you fill yourself, your life with so much stuff that you're always having to go from thing to thing, you're paying for that relationally. You're not able to have a relationship with your family, your friends, or God. When you mismanage yourself, you pay for that emotionally. You have no time to enjoy or celebrate the highs, and you have no time to evaluate the lows. Ask yourself why you're anxious and worried. It's because you haven't taken time to process what happened to you emotionally. Rest is a good thing. Now, Solomon would have told us last week that everything's vanity. Vacation is vanity, but actually there's a good time to just stop and rest, to stop and listen, to be still. Finally, we pay for that when we mismanage ourselves spiritually. We have no time for God's word. We have no time to read the Bible. Sometimes we don't even leave time to be at church. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, we all know the scripture. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Do you take time to do that? Do you manage your time well enough to not have to be anxious? You might, if you find yourself just being anxious all the time, have you taken time to bring that request to God? Have you had enough of just a free moment to say, God, here's where I'm at. I need your help. Because the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How many of you know we need that? There's times in our seasons where we need that peace that passes all understanding. So let me give you four quick things, and then we'll get back to our fourth point and final point. Four quick things. Number one, be on the lookout for the danger signs. Know the things that are making you worry or feel anxious and cut them off before they come. There are things that are repetitive. Do we have control over everything? No. Do some seasons hit us and blindside us? Yes. But some things we know they're coming. Life begins to be a cycle at some point. And you know those things are coming. Cut it off. Don't let it 
make you anxious. Don't let it become a problem. Uh, I'll just tell you, for a long time, I'm going to tell on Courtney and I's beginning of marriage. Let's put it that way. When we first got married, we had to figure out how to manage holidays because we both had families. We had a hard time. December would come, and we're trying. I want to spend time with my family, but she wants to spend time with her family, and we're trying to figure out how that works. Many of you probably have experienced the same thing. What we realized is we were deciding weeks before, like, you know, second week of December, we're, we're talking about what are we going to do when the holidays come. It was not a good time to do that because you're, you're pressured, you're feeling stressed from both sides. When are you going to be here? How long are you going to be here? So you know what we started doing? We started talking about it in June. Holidays weren't even close. No pressure at all. Nobody's calling us saying, when are you going to be here? We decided when we were going to go. We told them, this is when we'll be there, this is when we're leaving, and from there on, it made holidays a lot better. It is possible to do this. Know those danger signs, and when they're coming, cut them off. Be strategic with scheduling and rest. Again, vacations are healthy. Days off are healthy. Number three, make yourself laugh. Constantly forgive. This will give you a sense of humor. If you're not forgiving, you're going to find yourself bitter and resentful all the time. And finally, change what you can. Don't try to control what you can't. Change what you can. Don't try to control what you can't. This sounds like a self-help book. We're going to talk about that in just a moment too. But right now, I'm just trying to help you manage yourselves in the midst of time. Final thing for the seasons. Number four, what I sow in one season... I will reap in another season. What I sow in one season, I will reap in another, in another season. Can I tell you, some of your relationships right now, you don't understand why you're having trouble. It's what you sowed 10 years ago that you're reaping now. It's what you didn't invest 10 years ago that you're having a hard time finding. You got nothing in the bank. You didn't save anything. You didn't invest in that relationship. For those that did, you're reaping that right now because you're having a blast. Because you invested early on, you're having a blast with one another. Once the kids were out of the house, you were more like, woohoo, let's go, let's travel, let's do things, let's have fun. It all depends on how you invest your time, how you invest your life. I didn't say what you sow today, you'll reap tomorrow. Farmers know this better than anybody. You sow in one season, you reap in another. Simple example in sports world, I was excited to hear. We're from Chillicothe, right? That's where we moved over from. Maryville beat Chillicothe Friday night in football. Woohoo! <laughs> as great as that is, can I tell you it wasn't just because they played a great game Friday night? I'm sure the boys did. But you know how much work went in before Friday night? All the drills that started in preseason, doing those things over and over and over. Practice, practice, practice. That's what gets you the victory on Friday night, not just playing a good game Friday night. They don't just show up and go, let's play. No, there had to be a lot of practice on the front end. You reap the benefits of the hard work that you put in the last season. You don't start tithing today and see the fruits tomorrow. It happens over time. But when you begin tithing, I'm telling you, you will see a harvest. We promised you that in, in the offering earlier. And when I say we, it comes from God's word. It's not my promise. It's God's promise. 
you can't just do it once and say, well, I didn't see anything, so I'm going to give up on that. That's why Galatians 6, 9 encourages us. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we what? Don't give up. If we don't give up, if you will just keep sowing in that relationship, don't give up. Keep sowing in that ministry, don't give up. Keep sowing in that uh, whatever it is, in your church, don't give up. Each season has meaning, purpose, and value. The seasons of life we must accept are beyond our control, but how we respond to those seasons is not. What I sow, and let me, let me back up, we may not understand the season, but God does, and what I sow in one season, I understand I'm going to reap in another season. Now, this is where I was talking about Kind of sounds like a self-help sermon. A lot of times when we're concluding a sermon, we like to give you three things that are going to help you uh, through the seasons of life. Or you want to read a book, eight things on how to manage my time or, or to manage my life so that I can get through the seasons. Whatever it might be, here's what I want to just encourage you with today. Focus on the one who created the seasons. Focus on the one who holds the seasons in his hand. Imagine the power there who literally... He knows exactly what's going to happen in every person's life in this room. How incredible is that? If we will just focus on him, we won't find ourselves being anxious about anything. Because when we put it in his hands, the one who very much created the season. We're going to find the peace that passes all understanding. It's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Do we have to change and grow in those seasons? Yeah. Should we be learning something along the way? Absolutely. Do we have a part to play in that? Yeah, our choices make a difference. But God brings a power, a presence, and a peace that only He can bring. So whatever season you're in today, if you're up on the mountain, Praise God. Enjoy that mountain. If you're in the valley, praise God anyway. Let him take control. Let him be a part of that. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. Great example of this is the story of Horatio Spafford. Some of you might know that name. Many of you may not. You'll probably know the hymn that he wrote along with others. But Horatio Spafford was a devout Christian. His family loved and served God faithfully. But tragedy struck their home when scarlet fever took the life of his only son. He was left with his four girls and his wife. Not too long after scarlet fever took his son's life, a great Chicago fire happened and it burned many of his real estate properties leaving him very financially set back. In that time, they had planned to take a holiday, to take a trip as a family. Because of the Chicago fires, he stayed back to manage the properties that he did have. And he sent his family, his wife and daughters, four girls, on a ship to England. While they were on that ship, a freak accident happened. The ship sank all four daughters drowned. 
In a very short amount of time, he lost all of his children. His wife, a few hours later, was pulled from the icy water. She cabled back to Horatio, who was at home. Two words, saved, alone. As quickly as he could, he jumped on a ship, headed for England to be with his wife. Trying to process everything that he had gone through. Trying to figure out why he's going through this in these moments. As he's on this ship, headed for England, the ship passed over the very spot where his daughter's lives were taken. He could have turned to any substance to try to numb the pain and the grief in that season. He could have turned on God and said, God, why are you doing this to me? What did I do to deserve this? But instead, he said this. He said, I'm glad to trust the Lord when it costs me something. I'm glad, glad, I'm glad to trust the Lord when it costs me something. Sailing over the very spot where his family was ripped from his arms, he penned the words, when peace like a river tendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. We would think of that story and say, how? How could you say it's well with your soul in that moment? What kind of faith is that? To have that kind of peace, that kind of fearless trust in God in one of the hardest moments in life. No matter the season, the world cannot provide you what only Christ can provide in those, in those moments, in those seasons. We can look for it in a lot of places, and you know what you're going to find? Meaningless, empty, under the sun. But in a relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter the season, you can say, it is well with my soul. Like Paul, you can know the secret of being content in all circumstances. So will you bow your heads with me? I don't know what season of life you're in. You might have walked in here today on a high. Everything's going great. Or maybe you just got some of the worst news you could possibly get. And you're in a season of life and you truly do not understand. Can I tell you God does? He holds those seasons in his hand. And he knows exactly where you're at. I've done the best that I could to understand what Solomon was telling us in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 14. A time for everything. Season for every activity under the sun. But I want to pray that you are able to walk out of here understanding that he can make everything beautiful in its time. I did not say that that loss of a loved one is a beautiful time. I did not say that that's a good time. That God would allow through the seasons for us to be able to see the good that can come of it. All things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So Father, for every person in here today, whatever season of life they're in, those who are looking for a job right now, feeling lost, 
wondering why, pray that you would be the answer today. God, for those who are hurting the loss of a loved one, Lord, that you would fill that void of that loved one, that you would comfort them with the peace that only you can bring. For every relationship that is a bit rocky right now, I pray that it would just be a season, that they would begin to invest, redeem the time wisely, invest in that relationship to see it reap a harvest of good. May it be the best season they've ever had coming forward because of what they're going to do right now. The difference they're going to make right now, investing in that relationship only to see that they're going to reap a harvest in the future. It may not happen tomorrow. But you promised us what we sow, we will reap. Father, do right now what only you can do. have set eternity in our hearts and we look forward to the time when we get to spend an eternity with you but until then as we are on this earth may we continue to be focused on eternal things may we not get wrapped up in the things under the sun the things apart from you so wrapped up in those that we lose sight of who we are lose sight of what we've called we're called to do You set eternity on the human heart for a reason. Pray that we would be focused on those eternal things. May we make the difference in those around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 